And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. And it's only me. It's the Weighing In Podcast without my man, Josh the Punk Thompson. He is traveling to Texas. Texas is getting the punk. California, you have lost your flavor. He is leaving you and going to the great state of Texas. And I don't blame him. But Podcast Dave, you did the big move from Cali to Texas. What was it like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh it was the best decision ever made. Best decision. Oh, ever made. <laughs> there it is. Tell yep. them. Okay, why uh, was it the best decision? Say um, because it's a better way uh, of life. Oh, a much better way of life. Plus, uh, you know, I could wear a cowboy hat here and no one judges me. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're always gonna judge. But, you. but my man Josh well, is. That's true. Josh is uh, moving his family and getting himself his new place in Texas. So I hope you're safe on the road, my man. I hope everything is going good for you because I can tell you, Dave, I had talked to him over the last couple of days while he was packing. He was not a happy man, which was making me just unbelievably happy inside. (laughs) The frustration (laughs) of Josh Thompson in the move because he's kind of like me. Dude, I used to move all the time. I don't know about you. How many times have you moved in your life? Uh, like four. Besides moving countries. Four yeah. times. Well, uh, see, yeah. mine was horrible because my wife, first off, my wife did interior design shit, right? And she, mm-hmm. I, she's like the, her, her dad was kind of like, well, he is kind of like because he lives right by my same thing here. But, He's like a hoarder. He wants to keep everything. I mean, everything. It's ridiculous. I went and actually, at one point in my life, I bought his old house, right? They were going to move. They had this mm-hmm. place that was in uh, the city of Orange in Orange County, California. And it was a nice place. And it was like, you know, I could buy it and buy it at a good price. And I never realized that I was buying it and he was going to still live in it. <laughs> He just never left, oh. right? Oh no! If I, you know, he was over there all the time. Well, one time, you know, you know, the house was obviously like twenty five years old when I got it, or something like that. And so, I'm the water in the laundry room, the the bibs start to leak where the washing machine's at, right? So I go to the hardware store and I go and get new attachment, new bib attachments, right? And I pull everything out, and I'm in there working. Sure enough. My father-in-law, he shows up, right? He says, what you doing? I said, yeah, I'm fixing the bibs. You know, one was leaking here. He goes, one was leaking. He goes, hasn't leaked before. Well, no shit. But now it is. So, you got to fix it, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm down there fixing and I'm pulling, and I'm putting the new ones on, right? And he goes, I thought you said just one of them was, uh, was broken. One of them was leaking. I said, yeah, one of them was. I said, but it's. You know, they're both the same as far as age, and one's going to end up going out after I replace just the one, so I replace both. Well, which one was the good one? Right? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, one of them was working, right? I go, yeah, one of them was working. He goes, well, the, see, this is your problem. You waste money. I said, the goddamn part's oh like God. $2.70, and fucking cents, right? He goes, yeah, but it's still working. He wanted to take it, right? I had to grab the parts, oh, no. stick them in a bag, and throw them in the trash. But I've moved so many times. It was like my kids felt like they were in a military family because I was moving. Ah, every two and a half years, I would I would fix a house up and resell it, kind of buy up, but buy up into one that needed to be fixed, and then go about fixing that one because I didn't have enough money to to buy a, a separate one and work on it while I lived in another one. So that's how I, you know, I made money doing it as far as I got a bigger and better house all the time. So we got, I mean, I was moving all the time. I probably moved 20 times, right? So, I mean, I was, I got good at it at the end, but the big thing was we would always like get rid of all of the crap. 
we would absolutely minimalize down and throw away all the stuff. We don't need that. We don't need that. And my wife was good at it as far as <laughs> not needing it. Well, Josh yeah. and his wife are not agreeing on what they want to, <laughs> to take and what they should leave behind. And he's cracking me up. So I, the same thing happened to him that happened to me in my last move. The last, well, not the last, second to last move. My, but my move from Vegas to Tennessee, I, you know, I hire a moving company because it's, you know, a long way trip and everything. And they're going to bring the big, they says, yeah, it'll take one truck. Okay. Cause I tell them like, I'm leaving this, I'm leaving that, you know, show them all their stuff. And I go and the day of the move, you know, they're moving stuff and I'm looking at this truck and I'm going, there ain't no fucking way they're going to make it with this truck. Right. And I'm looking and looking and sure it's getting closer and closer. And I, so I tell my wife, I said, Hey, you need, cause we're supposed to be leaving like at two o'clock in the afternoon. We're going to get on the road. I said, you need call, call U-Haul, see what size truck they have, because we're, we're going to end up having to take another truck. There's no freaking way they're going to make this thing. Right. Sure enough, they're never going to make it. And the one truck can only go 500 miles a day. Right. And I need to be in Tennessee within, I think it was 40, 40 hours because I had a, the closing of my other house. And so I'm now we're packing this U Haul up. I fill that thing, right? Get everything done. We take off at six o'clock instead of two o'clock. And I make it, you know, to Tennessee in eh, about 40, 40 hours. I was hauling ass. But. It was the whole thing of I ended up having to pay for the damn you know U-Haul and all this stuff extra. It was like two thousand bucks, you know, to because you I'm not going to bring it back. I got to leave it there. Well, Josh Thompson is finding the same report because now his cold plunge is sitting in his garage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all of his his expensive oh, yeah. mountain bikes that he's so proud of those are sitting in the garage. They weren't able to put those things on. So he's got he's got it now with the mover is going to come back and pick those things up on another trip because he's he's going out to Texas again right after this. So I was like, man, hey, bro, just take it all in. Enjoy the moment and don't get mad because there's nothing you can do about it. This is what moving does to you. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, he always uh, he always bags on me because when it comes to fixing things, you were talking about like you you fix things by yourself at the house and uh, and yeah. you're your father-in-law was uh, mad that you were changing parts that were still working. So I'm that guy that I'll try and fix it myself before I call someone. But I always get the worst luck with it. Um, we we had a we had a few outlets out at one point, and um, what does what does it tell you when like a handful of outlets are out at the same time? Like, what would you automatically think? Yeah, like, let's say you get five outlets in your house breaker, out at one time. The breaker's out. Oh, Break the breaker okay, flip. So so the breaker. Or the the GFI switch as well. Um, okay, same thing. So I'm going around and resetting every single GFI, um, and then I'm and then I'm uh, resetting all the breakers, right? Because it's just not working. I cannot get these five elements back on, and they were just smart working. move, Dave. Um, so I go around, do it all. Um, I end up I end up like almost switching out a breaker, and I'm like, I just don't I just don't think it's a breaker. So so I finally call a guy out. Um, finally call a guy out he takes a look takes a look at it and then he realizes that the gfi switch that um that it that was powering it um that that outlet was working but the gfi piece of it was not working so yeah um so i ended up having to pay like a whole like 150 bucks for for like a to replace a gfi uh which sucked all right next well, time i see you the the next time i see you i'm going to teach you how to replace that. a gfi <laughs> 150 bucks. No, I, I know how to replace it. I actually, I actually replaced, I actually replaced the 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 outlets on the ones that weren't working because I th I thought it has to be these that are not working. So I replaced the outlets, like you know the, the you know the little things that have got the two power. power yeah, outlets. yeah. I, I replaced them on on a handful of them just to see if um that would fix it because I was like it can't be GFI at this point because I've I've reset every single one. But it was the it was the GFI function in the outlet that wasn't working, so the outlet itself was working. But the GFI, I don't know, it was a whole thing. He's like, yeah, he's like, you have to look for the light. This light represents this. This light represents. It was ridiculous. And then when I did my my dishwasher, um, I, I had to make three Home Depot trips because I picked up the wrong <laughs> like pipe the wrong time yeah. three times. 
they wouldn't fit on the end so when i ran a test it leaked water so i had to go and then i realized that the hose was a little bit too big so i went back swapped it so I did that three times and then when everything was set up everything was working i go to open a dishwasher to put dishes in and the freaking pipes and the pipe came with the freaking dishwasher <laughs> so i had wasted my hold it hold it you had the fucking pipe uh, right there the whole time and you're running uh, to home depot <laughs> yeah okay this is a, this is uh, what we so, call so, a sharp as a marble moment <laughs> and so you're talking about your father-in-law um being a cheap ass so oh, what dude. i did was i pulled the dishwasher out i took the pipe out that i bought at home depot i ran it back to home depot and i put on the one that they i just i was like oh, there's no way that after all that i'm spending the three dollars just to keep that pipe <laughs> so my cheap ass ran it back uh, I want to be my 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 father. He'll spend money, you know, especially on stuff like computer stuff. Oh my god! But when it comes to just, I mean, he'll find something and he'll say, "There's something I can do with this." What are you going to be able to do with it? I don't know, but that's really an interesting thing. I think I can I can do something with it. No, <laughs> we do. We go through because he lives on the farm here, and you know, I put a. He's got a beautiful house, everything. But we actually have a cleaning lady come in and take care of his stuff, right? And we tell her, if you see anything, any kind of, you know, ketchup packets, I don't care what it is, you see cups, you see containers to hold things, throw them out. Do not allow him to keep those. Because he's like the Mr. I'm going to, oh, this will hold this. And then that can hold all that. And it's like, oh, my God, it's horrible. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Well, let's get into the fights because we got a whole lot to talk about. We've got the UFC. I think it's from the apex this week with Sean Strickland being in his hometown. This is adopted hometown of Las Vegas going up against Magomed Abus. They got Abus Biyayan is his full name, but it's Abus Magomedov, who is a very good fighter, came from the PFL. This is a very good matchup when you look at the way they fight and stuff and I, i'm just gonna say it right now magomedov's been talking some good snap but he's not gonna out talk sean strickland and sean strickland's gonna be a handful for him because magomedov likes to fight in the stand-up so a lot of it's gonna be there he will try to take the fight to the ground that's not gonna be easy for him against strickland strickland is he's a pain in the ass he is just a good damn fighter He's tough as hell. You know, the only way that you, you know, get rid of you got to knock him out a la and, uh, Alex Pereira. You know, that can happen. But overall, I mean, goddamn Sean Strickland, did you, did you see him? He's training with two guys now at the same time. Did you see that? Oh, uh, yeah. Can you pull that up? Yeah, you want to watch it? Yeah, let's see that. Sean Strickland has got Chris Curtis. This is an extreme couture. Here he is. I'll refresh he, it real quick. It's awesome. He's sparring two guys. Let's watch this thing. And he does a great job, man, because, I mean, he's just, Sean Strickland doesn't, this is, when I talk about fighters and and learning how to accept being hit and stuff, Sean Strickland doesn't worry about being hit or anything. It's not a big deal. He does a great job of moving. He gets out of the way. He's got Curtis trying to cut him off. He's got the other guy coming at him. He drops the one dude by pushing it down and he's he's doing well so i don't know if he did this for a psychological effect or what it's going to be with his fight against magomedov but it was funny to watch it was kind of you know and then he's calling them he's calling them bad names in the middle of the sparring i'm not going to say what it was but you take a look and you what, go, what's your thoughts on like just taking taking the type of shots though like ahead of the fight and just in general look you know you're going to do sparring and if you watch he's getting touched at times but they're not chris curtis is not trying to he's hitting him he's not trying to hurt him you know there's a difference this is sparring you know and you're going to get hit but getting hit here it can add up but sean strickland this is this is what he does this is what he's you know this is his way of training everyone at extreme couture knows where are you going to see Sean? He'll be either on the mats, moving around, sparring, or he's going to be in the cage sparring. That's what he does. That's his way of training for the fights. He he believes that that's what works best for him. 
So, yeah, I just look and go, hey, more power to you if you know, you know what's best for you and stuff. But when it comes to just, you know, toughness, you're not going to find anybody tougher than Sean Strickland. He is a tough dude. He's got a lot of skill. He is not worried about getting hit. And he talks to you the entire fight. <laughs> he's going to sit there and he's going to say stuff and just try to get you to overextend and do these things. They're going to give him an opening and he's going to take advantage of him. And Magomedov's got, look, he's skilled. He's got a fight on his hands and he's got to figure out a way, in my opinion, to get Strickland down to the ground. But Strickland on the ground is not bad. You know, people don't give him the credit that he deserves for the fact that he is a good ground fighter. He is a guy that can stay on the ground. He's not going to submit you on the ground, even though he has, you know, good, he understands submission, but he's not someone that you can readily or easily submit himself. So good fight. <coughs> I feel like Josh, I'm coughing now. Who do you have in it? Oh, I take Sean Strickland in the fight. I know that a lot of people are really high on him. And I, I, this is the part, pull pull up uh, Magomedov's record real quick. And this is the part that kind of surprises me. If you take a look at his record, Dave, he's got, I think, one fight in the UFC, right? Yep. One fight, UFC, which was against Dustin Stolfus. Okay, not, not saying anything Russia. bad about Dustin. Good grappler. Likes to grapple, uh, wants to get in those situations. You can see it was a first-round 19-second knockout. But it's not like he's had a ton of uh, experience in the UFC to get the main event. It's like, you know, they, they had something yeah. happen. And this was a year ago almost as well. You know, he does have, you know, I'll give him credit. You know, you take a look, and if you go down the – the uh, the way here, you'll see he's got a, a win over Sadabu C. That's that's impressive because Sadabu's good. Danilo Vilfert, uh, that's a nice win and everything. So he's got good wins in here. He's got a record of twenty five and four, but he doesn't have a lot of big names on the resume as far as guys that have a ton of finishes though. He's got a lot of finishes, a lot of you know, submissions and and power. We know. Look at he can grapple. He's got a submission game, and that's why I said yeah, that's going to be his best route to victory over Strickland. He's got a good stand-up. It's clean. That's where Strickland wants to be. So I give him credit, man, that you know the UFC obviously is high on him because a main event with one fight, a 19-second fight in the UFC, obviously someone is thinking that he's uh, going to make moves and – Maybe they're thinking that he can get past Strickland. I, I would like to see it. I think Strickland is a very tough opponent for anybody. So, interesting. Co-main event, we've got Demir Ismagulov against Grant Dawson. That's really a great fight. Now, Demir's last fight was against Sarukian. And in that fight, you know, both are very good grapplers, outstanding. Sarukian got the better of him. Sarukian gets the win. But it was a good competitive fight throughout. Grant Dawson has been on a roll. Uh, he has looked better and better. But this is going to be the toughest matchup, especially with a guy working to take him down. I see, you know, uh, Ismagulov really working to get Dawson to the ground, where I believe he he's going to look and say, "I've got a big advantage there on the feet." Dawson's tough. He comes after you. He, again, and he has looked fantastic in his last. Pull up, pull up his record real quick because he had he had the one draw, and I'm going to be honest. I thought he lost the fight because the judges didn't give him uh, his opponent a 10-8. One gave him a 10-8, and that's where he got the draw, I believe. And it should have been all of them. He got crushed in the Rick, third round. Now go Ricky go Glenn up a little bit. Was it Ricky Glenn? I can't see it. Yep, that draw right there. That majority draws, I think that's his, the only uh, non-win he's got in the UFC. But that, I'm telling you, the third round of that fight, he took an ass whipping, and he was in a choke that was going to put him out right at the end. The fact that the judges didn't give a 10-8 in that, you know, two of them, I believe, did not. That's why it became a, a, a majority draw. But, look, 
since then, he's looked fantastic. He's gotten better and better on the feet. I give him uh, probably the edge, even though is uh, Gulov is very good, but and the the ground is Gulov's wrestling is damn good. So that's a really good matchup. That's that's a quality fight. Max Griffin taking on Michael Morales, the undefeated Michael Morales. This kid is good. Uh, what country is he from? What is that? It's not the Dominican, is it? Or is it a uh, Colombia? Ecuador. Ecuador. Yes, of course I'm wrong. This kid can fight. This kid is good, man. And he, he had a, he had that uh, his first fight in the UFC. He looked uh, good. He had he was put into some problems and stuff. Came back out of it, and in his his next one, what was his what was his last fight? He looked really good. He was in man. control. Keep on going. I can't see. It's too big. I see Peyton. There we go. So he beat Trevin Giles. That was the one that I was talking about. He, that was a tough one. He was working hard in that, but he got the the knockout against Giles and then takes on Adam Fugit. That was a clean uh, um, win right there against a good guy. The kid's good. He is really good. But Max Griffin is a gamer. This is a guy that comes after you. He is solid everywhere. He's got very good power in his hands, good stand-up. I love watching Max Griffin win because he he always puts it all out there. And that's that's all you can ask from a fighter. You're looking at a guy that he's going to give you everything that he has in the fight. He's going to go out there and put it on the line. He's going to look for the finish. He's not going to try to outpoint someone. He wants to stop you. So this is a big fight for him in the fact that he can put uh, – that take that O away from Morales, but he's got to fight a very smart fight because Morales is long. So is Max, but I think he's I think Morales is six three, very tall for the division at welterweight. Uh, normally you'll get guys six foot six one is about the norm. Anything over that you start to get a little bit tall. But how tall is he? Six three. Yeah, twenty three years of age. God damn. Do you look at this as like a freedom fight where they, where they want a 14-0 guy to go in here, get his 15-0, and start start pushing him? Well, I think it's think a matter of... I think they're looking at it. Well, you know what? We gave you two guys in Giles. Giles was, was coming down from uh, middleweight. Uh, so sometimes when guys come down, there's a, you know issues, and that's why I talk about you don't really want to... Going down is not that easy. I, I think they look at him like he's coming off of the Dana White contender series. So you know that money, he's pretty cheap right now. He's under a contract. He's not making a lot. They gave him Fugit in his last one. That's 2-0 and in the UFC. And now they're saying, all right, we're going to step you up. Max Griffin, that's a guy that we know is going to go after you. Let's see how you handle it. You're either going to end up, and this is what's great if you're the UFC. They've learned, we don't care. I don't care who wins. I care about making you, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Let's see what you do with the opportunity. If you don't win it, okay. You know, that's not the end of the world. We'll start to regroup and see where you're at and give you someone else. And you'll have to, to build yourself back up. But if he does win, then I think you're going to see him. They're going to start trying to push him into those upper ranks and start giving He's all the fights are going to get harder and harder. But he's he's a talented kid. But at 23, you know, the problem is this, Dave. You think you know so much. And not until you're, mm-hmm. you know, later in life do you realize, man, I didn't know a goddamn thing. I was, I was so fucking clueless. <laughs> well, it's just true. And it's, you know, that's just part of life. And it's a matter of, goddamn, yeah. you, you know, at the time things are going well for you and you're learning and you, ah, I've got it. And you, you have no idea what you don't know until someone shows you. And that could be Max Griffin. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we got Ariane Lipsky against Melissa Gatto. Actually, a very, you know, Lipsky is tough. She comes to fight. But Melissa Gatto, she is someone that you're going to have to look out for. That is a great matchup at Flyweights and the Flyweights now. The UFC's uh, women's division with the flyweights are really looking good. They're looking solid. A uh, lot of good talent there. The one I really enjoy, uh, 
this fight coming up. Ismail Bonfim against Benoit Saint-Denis from France. I got to give it to Benoit. This is a guy that, you know, he had a fight. His first loss was in the UFC, and it was in the UAE. I think it was Fight Island at the time that they were doing their stuff. And he got crushed. Now, he got crushed by a guy. He got tired, and he was taking huge shots, and the referee should have stopped the fight. It was a horrible display of officiating as far as, you know, what took place you know you're supposed to be there to protect the guy and it was against you know santos who we just saw who did santos just fight oh shit um he just had got that win let's see uh abu bakar huh yeah abu bakar that's it yep and that was a great fight between him and abu bakar but you know dos santos has shown that man you know he's a tough opponent well he had that win against uh Benoit, and I, th- I honestly said he meant he might not ever be the same fighter coming back, but he's proven himself, man. He, he's come back. He's gotten wins off of that. He's looked good, and he's got a very tough fight going up against Mofim, but I really enjoy watching uh, St. Denise. I think he's, he's going to be a really good fighter. I'm really glad that that one fight did not ruin him. Uh, he's interesting to watch. He comes to fight. That is a great matchup. So, you know, everything that you're looking at as far as the main card on this, all solid fights. Some really interesting ones with some young talent, you know, people that you're going to want to see in the future. And you should be seeing them in this setting of you don't have to pay for it. All you got to do is flip the damn, you know, tube on and they're giving you the fights with these young, young fighters that, you know, some of these are the future. And you can look down and, you know, Bruno Ferreira against, uh, Ruzabov, good fight. I think that's for your uh, preliminary thing. But the one that surprised me is the Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee, I would have thought they would have put into that, at least into that prelim, uh, main prelim slot instead of uh, Ferreira. But, hey, Kevin Lee coming back to the UFC. He did well when he was on the out uh, outside. He fought with uh, Habib and Eagle FC. You know, got some wins, got a win against uh, Diego Sanchez. But the Motown phenom is always fun to watch. The guy can wrestle, he can strike, and uh, it's good to see him back in the UFC. One time, just one fight. I, th- I thought he had two fights. but Yeah. I thought he did as well, but yeah, it's just one. Yeah. I can't even say Renat's last name. Fakhradinov. Fakhradinov. Who the hell knows? But he's taking on a guy 20 with one loss. 20 wins, one loss. So you know that you know they're putting up against someone that's good. But Kevin Lee can beat anybody. You know, his knockout of Gregor Gillespie. You remember that one? Gregor Gillespie was undefeated at that point. And Kevin Lee hit him with a good shot, but brought up the left high kick and just KO'd Gillespie. Gillespie's really never been that, you know, the same guy uh never fought a lot but really has i think he's probably had one fight since that fight against kevin lee so but interesting fight you have uh joe anderson brito what's that take a take a look go uh look Sorry, for no, I, was, uh, I was moving the yeah gregor gillespie oh so he, he had gregor gillespie then he lost to charles Oliveira. that was the start of covid that was in uh Brasilia, I believe, where they did the empty arena. And he got submitted by mm-hmm. Oliveira. Yeah. But Gregor Gillespie, that was a huge one. How many? 2019. Oh, yeah, right. one Go to Gregor, let me see. Look at that. One fight since then. One. And Gregor was, was a hot topic. Gregor can wrestle like a son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. He has a fantastic wrestler. The only thing he does better than wrestling and fighting is fishing. He's a big-time fisherman. But I'll tell you what, that's what happens. One knockout can change everything. It could just change your, not so much that it you know affects you physically in that way, but mentally you just, you're not the same. It's, fighting is not the same. Now you, you, you feel that little bit of vulnerability and 
You're never the same guy. So we'll see what happens with the rest of that. Yana Santos used, used to be Kunishkaya going up against Carol Rosa. That's going to be an uh, interesting matchup. Kunis, I'm, I'm sorry, not Kunishkaya. Yana Santos, Tiago's wife, you know, after having the baby, she came back, had a tough loss, but she's a, she's a gamer. She will come after it. Everything else. Hold on, is that Blagoy down at the bottom? I can't see. Yeah. Talk to me. He found off. Oh, again, Alexander. Boy, you talk about two guys going in a different direction. This is the first fight on the prelims. Alexander Romanov, who had that fight recently against Volkov, and going up against Blagoy, uh, Ivanov, man, I'll tell you what, that's a big time heavyweights. Romanov was, everyone's expecting him to do big things. He's only got two losses, but the last one he had against Volkov, he didn't look, he didn't look like he was, you know, the same guy. He didn't act like he was the same guy. And Volkov really put it on him. So interesting to see how he does in this fight against Blagoy, who at one time was considered to be one of the best heavyweights going. So interesting. Uh, the the main card of this thing really has some quality fights. Really, people need to watch the up and coming talent, and then the return of Kevin Lee. That's a good thing right there. What else do we have going on? We have no PFL, but boy, is there a lot of talk, Dave, about the PFL and their uh, suspension of both Nathan Schultz and Manfio Rausch. Boy, there's a lot of people pissed off that they did that. I didn't think it was that bad a thing. Well, I really didn't. So, I mean, I, I, so what kind of what kind of information were you seeing on it that you that you think is interesting? The, what I, it's not only what I'm seeing is what I'm hearing as far as uh, you have a lot of athletic commissions that feel that the PFL is not uh, not being honest with their fans, not being honest with what they supposedly do, and basically altering their postseason you know by bringing in shane burgos because they want shane burgos to be in the postseason because they're paying shane burgos a lot of money and they need shane burgos and that shane burgos did not actually make it he lost his first fight against oam didn't get any points won his second fight against nishikawa but wasn't able to finish him and only got three points which put him out of the postseason, meaning he would have been sitting at home. And with the PFL suspending Nathan Schultz based upon saying you didn't fight to your potential, you get no points, you don't get the three points, that puts Shane Burgos up into that position. And a lot of people are saying, hey, uh-uh, you, you, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm looking at it differently. I really don't think athletic commissions have a say. What what you really have here is this. Every promotion, the UFC, Bellator, want is all matchmaking. Now, sometimes the matchmaking will say in the UFC is, you know, most of the matchmaking is done by Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard. Those are their matchmakers. And then every now and then Dana's going to get involved because he wants to see something and he's going to say, this is the fight I want to see. I'm you know, trying to make this happen. And so he actually becomes the matchmaker de facto, you know, because this is something he wants to see. And so he kind of is the catalyst behind putting a fight together. But all their fights are matched. Bellator, all their fights are matched, except for when they do the World Grand Prix, where they basically match up the first ones. And then whoever wins, you know which bracket you're in, and you're going to automatically be, you know, uh, pushed into that next bracket. But all their fights are matched. One, all their fights are matched. Well, with the PFL, what you have is, is supposedly this point system, which is going to be what matches you. I get so many points. My opponent has so many points. One to four. This is what we were talking about with you not understanding bracketing and and. And who fights who? You were thinking one should fight two and three should fight four. But, you know, that's what supposedly those points will do is that 
if you get the most points, you supposedly will get the easier fight because you're fighting the fourth guy, not the second or third guy. But the points are what does the matchmaking. And now they're taking those away and saying, nope, uh, the points aren't doing the matchmaking. Uh, we're doing the matchmaking because we're taking a guy that didn't have enough points and we're putting him in there by taking away points from someone because we're saying that, you know, he didn't fight to his ability. He didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't give the fight what we wanted. But you got to also look and say, well, what did you want? Because you knew these guys were friends. You knew that they were godparents to the, you know each other's kids. You knew that they were training partners. You had to know that they weren't going to really go after it, you know, the way that you wanted. And so I think you have people thinking, look, you should have known that you weren't going to get the fight you wanted. You just wanted to put Burgos in there no matter what. And so that's the complaint. I look at it and say, can, they can have every right to put whoever they want. What's that? I didn't hear you. Can everything be true? Can all of that be true at the same time, though? I mean, it just everything, everything seems like it yeah. could be. It absolutely fair is game true. You're right. From what you're saying, it, you're absolutely right. It's true. Everything that the people are complaining about is true. And what's true is the PFL is a promotion that has the right to put any fight they want on, you know, they can change things up. Now it doesn't go with their, you know, supposed tournament and, you know, season postseason championship. Yeah. It breaks that, but they're the ones putting on the fight. They're the ones paying the fires. They're the ones that can do whatever they want. It's their promotion. So those fighters are under contract to them and they're the ones saying, these are the fighters that I want to put out there. I don't think that, honestly, I look at it as an athletic commission sh should stay out of it. You don't have, they didn't take, you know, it's not like the PFL took the win away from Nathan Schulte. Nathan Schulte got the win. It's on his record. Matthew got the loss. It's on his record. That's part of regulation. But them putting somebody into a postseason playoff, that has nothing to do with regulation. That has to do with the promotion. And the promotion has the right to make up their mind and do that. And that's what they're doing. I don't see the problem. I'm not saying it's fair, but they can do it. It's their show. All right, for everyone out there weighing in, the, our podcast has teamed up with the incredible people at Dave. Come on. OnlyFans. There you go. We are teamed up with OnlyFans. We are the first podcast that OnlyFans has actually worked with. And our whole purpose is this. OnlyFans has really worked at coming into the combat sports scene. Also other sports like NASCAR, all these different racing things. And they've sponsored athletes throughout all of these different sports. OnlyFans is working at, not, at being something other than just Girls being pretty, they want to be part of all of these different athletes. And the thing that you can get out of these athletes is you'll find athletes on there that you can learn techniques from. If it's the fight game, they'll talk to you about fighting techniques and what you can do and how to do them. If it's other athletes in different sports, you can actually have an interaction with that athlete in a way that you can learn something from them that, man... It's all because of OnlyFans and your ability to interact with that athlete. Go to OnlyFans, weighing in slash weighing in, and we appreciate everything that OnlyFans is doing in trying to give athletes another platform to have access to the fans. Go to OnlyFans slash weighing in. All right, what do we got up, Ben? Yes, sir. We uh, have a couple of things to get into today. Uh, the first one I want to get, this is, you know, quite fitting that you're the only one here today because this is maybe a good subject for you to give give some insight on. Um, this is Jake Paul was talking about the fighters union that he's working on. Um, <laughs> he's said that it's basically, uh, they've been working nonstop on this, um, but it's really, it's an impossible one to figure out. Um, but he does say that they are still working, but it takes a lot of people, a lot of money, a lot of you know a lot of intelligent people um but they're funding it and they're they're working hard at it 
Um, but it's just it's something that's going to take years. It's not going to just be an overnight thing. Um, what are your thoughts here? What could you know? What's the damn near impossible thing he's talking about? Like, is um, I mean, I know that if it's taking time, that's one thing. But to be damn near impossible, like, what kind of issues can he be encountering that maybe he didn't expect? What he didn't expect is if you look at uh, unions within the sporting realm, looking at the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, even some, even the MLS soccer, you can take a look and the first thing you have that's different is you have a team. And that team, as far as the personnel on it, the players on it, they are all part of this team and it's not an individual sport. Fighting is an individual sport. And the biggest problem that I think Jake Paul is running into, and I, and I appreciate the fact that he's trying to do it, but it's it's not as easy, and we've, we've said, look, that's not an easy thing to do. There's too many giant uh, boulders that you're going to have to figure out a way to move uh, to get this done. The first thing you have to do is you have to get fighters. You know, what, what, what's the one thing you hear Josh talking about with fighters all the time? You, know, you want to be a fighter, you, get, you have to be selfish, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Well, they are. You know, everything's about them, and they don't care about, you know, other people and stuff. It's, this is all about, you know, what's mine, what I can get, you know, what's the next fight in line, how much am I going to get for that fight? They don't, you need, the, you need a, uh, quite a few of the big names, so, you know, if you had a Conor McGregor, huge name within the sport, that would have an impact in making a union. If you had a John Jones, that would have a huge impact. But you need those top people. You need the ones that have some semblance of power and some semblance of power within the UFC. That's not an easy thing, and there's only a few people that have that. So when you're looking at, what he's running into, he's running into the fact that fighters are going to, they're not going to give up something that they think that I have now for the, the good of the group. Mm -mm. They, look, I worked my ass off to get to this point and that person can work their ass off too. Why am I having to suffer and give up stuff for them when they haven't suffered for me? That's part of what he's figuring out right now. It, it, there's so many elements to this and to get fighters to agree that they will give up a certain amount, how much money they're going to give up because look at the union's going to cost. And the, the, the only way to really do it is if you have the union is the people that are in the top positions make more money. They have to give more money. The guys that are in the bottom, you know, they, they don't have a whole lot of money. They can't give anything. So they're giving very little while the big ones on the top are giving a lot and they're all looking. So why am I doing that? Why am I going to be the one giving up money for this when it's not going to benefit me? It's a hard, it's a hard element to get past and it's, it's a great, you know, concept, but it doesn't work within the individuality of the combat sports world like it does with teams. When you get into the team concept, there's a there's a difference. And the difference is that you all need each other throughout the season to actually be successful. So you get to that, there's there's a camaraderie and there's a brotherhood that goes with it, or a sisterhood if it's, you know, women's, but it just does not apply the same. You'll get teammates working out of the same camps with fighters but that's as close as you'll get. And that's not enough. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Um, I just not find fair. it surprising that, you know, someone like Jake Paul, who, who's a guy who basically built his empire all by himself. I mean, all, along the way he's hired people, right? He's hired somebody to run this, somebody to run that, whatever. But the empire he built, he built it by himself. Um, and so to not have the mentality that, that you can teach that as opposed to forcing someone to give more money to someone um right like i just that's what i have a hard time with 
um, why don't you teach? Why don't you teach what you did to to get to where you are? And and you know that goes beyond fighting. That goes beyond just the training camp because so, you know some of these guys have potential that just needs unlocked. Um, that could really catapult them to the Sean O'Malley status. Um, I mean even even guys like you know even even guys like Aljo who are not like a Conor McGregor or Sean O'Malley, but they but they still they're still recognize style is entertaining yeah. people yeah yep. yep but that's what what you're talking about is fighters need to and Al, aljo aljo understands this and he's done this with himself sean o'malley we try to tell fighters all the time look at you 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 fight for the ufc you fight for pfl you fight for bellator yes and you you need to look at that and say Hey, I have a responsibility in actually helping my promotion because my promotion helps me because you become a business unto yourself. You've got to be a brand. You got to figure out that I'm a business. Every fight I have, that's a business dealing. It's a contract involved. I go and I perform. And if you're not looking at yourself as a business, you're, 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 you're missing the boat. You've got to make it to where people uh, they hear about you. The, you know, this Sean O'Malley puts himself out there. Aljo puts himself out there, and it's okay. You know, you're not you're not going to get everybody to like you. You know, there's going to be people that really like you, and there's going to be people that hate you, and that's just the world. And you can be the greatest person in the world, and someone's going to hate you. Okay, don't worry about that stuff. Figure out what it is is your end game. And that's, you know, Jake Paul has done this. This is what I want to attain. And here's all the steps to get to that. And each one is a goal and you start working towards those goals. And you know, there are fighters out there that have done that. They all do it a little bit different. Connor's done it his way. You know, Michael Chandler, take a look you know, when he came into the UFC, did he change a little Mm -hmm. bit from his time at Bellator? Yeah. And you know, See you at the top, all that stuff. You know, he kind of got into the the gimmick mm-hmm. stuff, but that's what he needed to do, and that's what's propelled him to the point where the UFC wants to use him example. because what's that? That's a great example. You know, yeah, and it's you know, there's people that are going to say, "Oh, yeah, but it's bullshit," you know, because ah, oh, you're just supposed to. Fight. No, you are supposed to build a brand. You are the brand, and if you're not going to take the time to build that brand. Why are you expecting the UFC to do it? Why are you expecting any other promotion to do it? Mm-hmm. You've got to put the time in that helps them. It makes them say, this is someone that we want to put time into and money into because marketing is expensive. So you're a brand and you need to build your brand. All right. So I um, will say the that channel I thing is, is really good one. Actually, I think where you, Go ahead. So, sorry about that. I think we've sorry. got a little bit of lag between us yeah. um, right now. But um, um, Michael Chandler is a great example where he, you like you said, he was fun to watch as a fighter in Bellator, and and that mm-hmm. was kind of the extent of it. Like you knew he would come in explosive, a little bit reckless sometimes, and and that was fun to see. Um, and I think like to to hear you say that. Like, wh- then he comes over, and now he's a, now he's a mouthpiece as well. And you know that's that landed him a role opposite conor mcgregor the biggest name in the sport uh on on the ultimate fighter like that's that's a prime example of um you know w- working unlocking your own potential and um, to, to maximizing your opportunity yeah and it <laughs> i know there's people on this show that they don't get along with michael i think michael chandler <laughs> is first off he's a good guy you know no one again no one not everyone's gonna like you but michael chandler is a good guy. He's got a he's got a beautiful family. He does things right. He takes care of his parents. He's you know, obviously he's cocky. He's supposed to be. Okay, that's part of that's part of you know the the goddamn job criteria that he's in. He's got to believe in himself and he's got to be cocky. And he has done a great job of building himself up to that point where he could make great money going over to the UFC. And then he capitalized on top of that. And he did it in, a, in smart ways where you look and you go, the first thing he did is when he went over to the UFC, 
he said, I will never say no to them. Now, I know that sounds like, you know, I'll have people saying, oh, that means he's a kiss ass. No, that means he's a smart businessman. I'm not going to say no to my new employer. I'm going to tell them, they asked me to be somewhere. Yes, I'll be there. Okay. Now, that's not easy to do. He's got kids. He's got two adopted boys that, you know, he is, is uh, passionate about, passionate about being there for the things that they do. Uh, his wife is fantastic at, you know, taking, you know, the stress off of that. But he made that choice of, I'm not going to say no because I want them to know that they need something. I'm the guy that they can go to and it's going to get done. Smart move. Everything that he's done. The only thing I, you know, and I'm, I would say this, you know, if Michael was sitting in front of me right now, Michael, you are a smart guy. God damn it. Just fight a little smarter because I know you have the skill set to do it. You're a smart guy. The only thing at times he wants to be entertaining and he's willing to throw uh, being a high IQ fighter away to be an entertaining fighter. And he is entertaining, you know, and that's part of the whole shtick right there. And that that's why people want to see him. His fight with Justin Gaethje. Fuck. Yep. You know, you, what are you going to say? It was fantastic. Was it the smartest way to fight? No, but goddamn balls. You know, this fight with Dustin Poirier. You know, I love the fact, you know, that he was going for it when, when he made that move for the takedown and he tried to take the back. I got to give it to him. Hey, man, you're going for it. But you could have just held position and, you know, put Dustin on his back maybe and things wouldn't, have, you know, ended up the same. But, hey, he's willing to go for it. He's willing to take chances. And, you know, he's only fought great guys you know even dan hooker dan hooker's a hell of a fighter so he, you know he's got the win there and he's got the win against tony ferguson he's got the th three losses against gaichi Oliveira, and freaking poirier okay well a lot of people have a lot of losses against those guys so obviously yeah you know, he's doing something right yep. and it's a matter of you just got to look he's got the mentality to take care of his business he's created that business if there is a brand behind him and he's doing a phenomenal job, you know, dude, take a look at him out in, in the ultimate fighter. You know, I normally don't watch the ultimate fighter, but based upon the two guys, I like Chandler. I like Connor. I wanted to see what they were doing. But as soon as I saw that Chandler, you know, as soon as I saw it, first off, it was Connor took the prospects at 155. I went, that was a mistake. And then he goes, and then Chandler was smart enough to say, I'll take, I'll take the vets. At 135, I went, oh, man, this is not going to go good for Connor. <laughs> and uh, so far it hasn't. I think it's, what, 5-0 and now? You see, Connor does not like losing. <laughs> I don't blame yeah, him, exactly. man. But, exactly. And it's only going to get worse. You know, he's gonna, He may get yep. one guy in there. One, you know, if that. So it's going to be a long show for Connor in this one. But Michael was smart. Michael did the right thing. And Michael brought in good coaches. And Michael's done a great job of being a leader for those guys because that's sometimes not easy to be the leader for the guys that have been there. He's really done a great job because he's a smart guy. But All right, next thing. Let's go. All right, let's get into this one here. Cups once and announces return against Hakeem Dewadu at Featherweight. Thank God that he's going back to Featherweight. You know, I, again, guys going down in weight, especially at an older age. And I'm not saying, you know, I... I've known Cub forever. He's a phenomenal guy. I uh, just love him as a person. He's been a great fighter. His brother, goddamn, his brother was talented. Stevie was talented as hell too. Great fighter. But Cub has definitely had a fantastic career. But going down to when he went down to bantamweight, I was like, that is not a good. That's not a good move. You know, sometimes it's just the you know the speed makes a big difference, and the smaller the guys are the faster they are. And the older you are, the slower you are. He's fought most of his career at featherweight. This is a great move going back. Uh, Hakeem Dawda from Canada is a tough fighter. Man, uh, Dawadu, I'm sorry, Dawadu. He is talented, but Cub, that's a good fight for Cub. Cub can come back in that. Cub has great ground. Uh, Hakeem's got good ground. Stand-up-wise, Cub can stand with him. This is a, a fight where you take a look and you go, this makes sense, and I'm so glad that you decided I'm not going to kill myself getting down to Bantamweight. Let me go back to where I'm comfortable 
and I can perform, this is a good fight for Cub Swanson. Continuing fight announcements, we have Aaron Blanchfield and Taylor Santos. That's a great fight. In August. You know, Santos is coming off of that. Uh, you know, she had the fight with the champ in uh, Valentina Shevchenko. She just, you know, uh, just lost that fight. But Aaron Blanchfield uh, just got suffered her first loss. But this is this is a tough fight to come back on. But Blanchfield against Santos. This is going to be an interesting matchup. Blanchfield is just just rock tough. She just keeps coming forward. She keeps on. She's got great ground. Very stifling fighter. Santos, we saw, can be very good on the ground, stifling fighter, and can be in the stand-up and throw her hands. So I think overall, if you're looking at it, I may give Blanchfield a little bit of an advantage on the ground. Uh, I will give Santos the advantage on the feet. So this is a great matchup, 11-1 and versus 19-2. You can't ask for a better matchup, and that's from Singapore. The UFC is going back to Singapore. I'm sure one FC is very happy. <laughs> we'll have to talk to Chatri about that one. Yeah, right. Last one we're going to wrap up on here is we're going to touch on this Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg thing again. No, ah! I know we talked about the fight in the last one. I, okay, yeah, uh, you got those. You, you got those moments where you, you sit there and you go, "Yeah, that one's probably going to come back on me." I think my old people doing something sexually, uh, quote, really came back on me. <laughs> sitting <laughs> so there saying that watching um, that's going to be like watching old people fuck and i'm talking about 80 80 year olds you know well so not something you want to see aside from the fight aside from the fight um chael did an interview on monday he was talking about this fight he believes that the fight can do 25 million pay-per-view buys now i do think he was exaggerating a little bit but i don't think chael exaggerate he's, he's come on <laughs> the american gangster um, say something that is outrageous not my man, Chael. <laughs> That's all he's done throughout and, um, his life. And we've had nonstop people offering to train these guys. Uh, GSP being oh the God, most yeah. recent one with Elon Musk actually responding, saying, let's do it. I know. Yeah, it, it's so amazing. Have, have, yeah. you have, you Go ahead. have you changed their mind at all since, since Monday or since the weekend? <sighs> no. Because I, 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 here's the truth, and this is why you know this is why I said the whole thing about you know people sometimes don't understand that they don't want to see something, and when I say that, I say it with you know uh, all kindness to everyone involved, but everybody thinks they want to see something until all of a sudden they're seeing it and they go, oh. Oh, oh, and they want to turn away because it, you know, it's different than they thought. It's not going to be what they expected. If those guys ended up fighting, do you think it's going to be good, Dave? You think it's going to be a good fight? Um, Horrible. The, so Horrible. I Horrible. I mean, absolutely atrocious. All right, so... First off, it will not be good. It will be just bad. Now, the UFC could put a fight card together with them on it. I guess they're going to be the main event. That the fight card itself with them in that position, people would go, oh, I'm buying that. Now, do I think that you know they could do a lot of pay-per-views? Yes. Could they do $25 million? Fuck no. Not even close. Okay, if they did a percentage of that down to 2.5 million, it would be amazing. And I think that would be the best pay-per-view the UFC ever did. I think they're at 2.4 is the best one they ever had. But I do not think that it would beat the Pacquiao versus uh, Mayweather fight. Don't think that would happen. You just don't get enough people. And, and, and there's you don't get enough people that, are interested in combat sports. You don't get enough people that uh, will put their money out. And the other part is you'll get a lot of people that, you know, hey, let's get together. And so you and Josh and I and other, we get together and watch it. 
So you get the one pay-per-view while we have 30 people, you know, sitting there watching it. I'm sure it'll get a lot of eyeballs. I know it'll get a lot of eyeballs. I'm not saying it won't get eyeballs. It will. But not all those eyeballs are going to be happy with what they see. And, you know, I, I saw, you know, Elon Musk had a thing with, you know, you know who Lex Friedman is? Lex yeah. Friedman is a big time podcaster. And, you know, he's a, he's a BJJ black belt. And he was training with Elon saying, oh, Elon's strong. He's this. Stop. Stop. Elon is a brilliant man. Okay. He's not a fighter and he's not a jujitsu stylist. And, you know, it's just like some, some people are meant to fight. Some people are not. And I'm just going to, I'm going to sit there and stay at the end. Elon, Mark, I love the fact that you're having this back and forth little thing. Neither one of you should be fighting. Don't do it. You're going to embarrass yourself. Sorry. That's the way I look at it. Oh, man. Ah, I know it's horrible. I, I wish I wish I had a better I wish I had a better way. I wish I had a good way to counter that, but you you are right in a lot of senses. I just think that when a guy like Conor McGregor, right, you're tuning in as a fight fan to watch that guy and that yeah. guy, you know, breaks UFC records every time. Uh you're also Elon watching Musk fought Mark You're also you're also tuning in to in. watch Conor do something that you can't. Do you understand what I'm saying there? I want to see Conor McGregor land shots, yeah. move out of range, do things that even you know, even a guy like me who's trained you know most of his life and stuff, I can't do him that way. That's fucking art. That is poetry to me. Knowing how fucking special the way when Conor fought Eddie Alvarez, the way he moved in that fight, the things that he did. You look and you go, that's fucking poetry in motion. That is fucking fine art. That is the best. To watch someone do that is amazing. But if you were to put a percentage on who's tuning in for everything you just said, it I I would I would venture a guess thirty three percent are tuning in for that, sixty six percent are tuning in because it's Conor McGregor. Okay. Agree or disagree? No, I, I agree with you. And I, and I will agree with you that I think that, you know, let's say 33%, 30%, something like that, 20% of people tune in to watch a skill set in fighting and while 80% tune in hoping to get a train wreck. They want the train wreck. They want to see a train wreck. They want to see the big knock. They want to see the, you know, the flying near the, you know, the, the Joaquin Buckley's, you know, jumping, spinning, you know, kick to the face while a guy's holding your leg. I don't blame him. You know, I, I admire that too. But to sit there and to think that that's what they're going to get out of a Zuckerberg Musk, you know. Did, did you see that Dana actually had a shirt made already? Oh, no, I did not see that. He was wearing it. Go to, go to, his, go to his Instagram or his Twitter. He actually has a picture of him wearing a Zuckerberg versus Musk with a UFC patch on the sleeve. I was like, you are, he is the epitome of Barnum Bailey. He is PT Barnum. There you go. Right there on tour. Play that one. <laughs> he's not seeing anything. He's just smelling it. No, camera. no, no. He's PT Barnum, man. He, fu- he fucking knows how to promote. And he knows how to fucking, I don't have to say anything. Oh, look at that. USC. You go, you sick dog, man. God bless him. He's doing his job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just like, yep. Yeah. Yep. And this is the guy who two weeks before was saying, I don't do gimmick fights. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. I love him. Oh, man. For, all right. For everyone out there, go to our store. We have got some shirts and everything. We, we keep on saying, Josh keeps on saying that we need to get new shirts and we're going to do, do new design stuff. I'm going to have to hit Mark up and then get some new designs out there. But go to our store and you can get a shirt, either one with Let's Get It On, the Weighing In podcast. I love the shield one that we have. You can go the new design, the old design, or the simple things that just say Weighing In. Do yourself a favor. Buy our shirts. Represent. Send us a picture and we will post that or 
at least give a comment on it. So for everyone out there, we want to tell you, thank you for tuning in. Podcast Dave is busy drinking his coffee and he's going to have to put this show out. Well, I don't have to do a damn thing from this point out. So this is where Podcast Dave says, <laughs> I'm lazy and he's right. But for everyone out there, give it up for my man, Josh Thompson. If you see him on the road, help Josh out. Give him a monster to drink so he doesn't fall asleep at the wheel. Help that man because he's been under pressure and stress and he needs the relaxation and a little bit of sunshine. So, Josh, I hope you're having a clean trip. I hope everything goes well. And for everyone out there, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you.